0: In your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 25 for our second reading. Verse 1 Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. That they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them. Gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. And ram's skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood. Oil for the light, spices for anointing oil And for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, And the two rings shall be in the one side of it and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark The testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. And a cubit and a half shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubim of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them. In the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end. And the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and the ark In the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of Shatim wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof and the spoons thereof and covers thereof and bowls thereof to cover with all. Of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table the showbread before me always. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches and his bowls and his knobs and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it three branches of the candlestick out of the one side and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side, three bowls made like unto almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold, shall he make it with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. One of those chapters where, if I was ever out somewhere out and about on vacation and the minister was sick and he said and someone said is there anybody here that can preach I'd read Exodus 25 and unpack it I think There's such wonderful divinity in this short passage beautiful beautiful words So let's talk for a few moments about this uh, in 1 through 9 the first section there are two things that we want to talk about Let's put them in reverse order as to how they appear. The first thing is in verse 9. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. There's a pattern to God's worship. There's a pattern to it. There's a, regula- there's a regulation to it. We call it the regulative principle of worship. This is one of those passages where it comes to explicit statement in the scripture although it is implicit almost everywhere what do we have we have someone being served and and who is it that's being served god is being served and beloved when you come to church week by week i want you to think of it that way that you're coming to serve the lord christians are want to ask one another what did you get out of the worship service not a bad question but certainly a secondary question What did you give? What did you bring? Did you bring your heart to the Lord? Did you bring your mind and your ear and your voice and your body? Did you bring yourself as a living sacrifice to serve Him? And if you did, did you do it according to His command? According to what James Henley Thornwell will call the pattern in the mount. Quoting from Hebrews chapter 9. And Thornwell will use that for all of the operations of the church. Is there a pattern? There is. It's not just for worship. It's worship and doctrine and government and policy and ministry. All of it. The great king of the church, beloved, he has provided for us a pattern. Shall we think that we should make it up in our service to him? No. No, not at all. So according to the pattern, verse 9. The other thing, and we'll we'll borrow from Thornwell again here, is notice. Speak unto the children of Israel that that everyone bring me an offering. And the offering in this day is gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, linen, goats' hair, ram skins, badger skins, uh, wood from the shittah tree, right? Shittim wood, uh, uh, oil for the light, spices, onyx stones, jewelry, all kinds of stuff. You know what this is, beloved. This is you having a stake in the church. These folks gave and Moses was commanded to erect a sanctuary where the Lord dwelt among them. It wasn't just the Lord coming down and meeting with them in a bare open field in some strange way. No, they had an interest in that. They gave gold and silver and blue and purple and so on. And we're going to talk in, in the chapters that come after this of the, the great, uh, ornate, and, and beautiful architecture that God designed, even into a thing that today we call a tent. But every piece of that came from the people. This is to teach us that we truly are that building that is being built up into a spiritual household. That's how Peter will say it in 1 Peter chapter 2. Living stones built into the side of the house. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 saying that the apostles and the prophets are the other foundation stones joined to Christ. Beloved, we are that temple of the Lord. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Ye are God's building. I'm a builder, you're the building. Don't ever forget, beloved, that you are a part of that habitation of God in the spirit as the people of old gave of their substance to erect that that formal earthly tabernacle and later the temple itself. This was only in testimony to the fact that we are indeed that building of God. In the second section, beginning in verse 10, and the building of the ark, And of the mercy seat as it's called. The kaporet in the Hebrew. Very, very interesting stuff. Why does the Lord begin with the ark? Because it's in the Holy of Holies where he dwells. The perspective, not only the design of worship, but the perspective of worship is from God's perspective. We're going to build Inside out here. That is we as the people of God when we approach the Lord. The first things we should think about are God's perspective and not our own. Not what we get out of it. But what God has commanded. God as it were sets himself up in the holy of holies in this description. And then looks out from there. First the ark, then the table and the candlestick, and then we're going to see the curtains afterward. Very interesting, isn't it? The order in which God will will uh, will uh, reveal these these furnishings. Uh, some of you will recognize in our description here that when we go from the ark and then we go to the table of the showbread and then we go to the light that there's something missing what was in that room that first room that we call the holy place that is not described yet here the altar of incense the altar of incense was in that room why is it not described here you see these are the kinds of things that teach us about God and his worship It's not described here because the altar that is outside the tent and the altar of incense, they're the offerings that are offered up. This is when the people of God turn their face toward Him. God's not talking about that right now. He's talking about how He sees it. His perspective is what is in view here. And so first we have the Ark of the Covenant. Second we have The table and the bread of the face. The bread of the presence. And then we'll talk about the light. In every one of these things it's God giving. God giving. God giving. We give back to him in our offerings. But that's secondary. We are to recognize God's perspective in this chapter here. So let's talk about the ark. What is the ark? It's just a wooden box. There's nothing magic about it. I know that there have been people that have said, oh, these people, they, uh, there were some folks a few years back, they constructed an Ark of the Covenant, and it served like a giant capacitor. Have you ever heard that? Back in our evangelical days, we heard all kinds of stuff like that. All kinds of superstitions. It's a box. It's a wooden box covered with gold. And it's covered with gold. Why? Because it's in the presence of God. Because what comes ever, whatever comes into the presence of God must be pure and valuable. That's the, the most expensive thing they could think of in those days was gold. And so it is made. It's this box and it's made with rings and staves. Why? So it can be carried because it is meant to move in those days. Remember, it's a great moment in the history of the Israelites when Solomon builds his temple and the Ark of the Covenant is brought into it and it says, and the staves are there till this day. It's not moving anymore. God has taken his seat, if you will, right? Okay, so so here it is then that that uh, it's got rings and, and poles. And when I think of the rings here, I don't think of them necessarily like these floppy affairs. I, I, I think of it more like, I'm going to appeal to my fellow electrician here, more like a strap, that you slide a a you know a stiff conduit or a pole through, that it holds. It's not swaying back and forth, in other words. It's more like a strap than a ring. And we use the same kind of language when we get to the wall that's got mortise and tenon, Right? Joining, And then it also has poles and straps. The same kind of affair. Okay, so it's a wooden box. What's in it? What's in the box? At this point, only the testimony that God gives them. The tables of stone. The testimony. Then there's a lid on the box. And it's a gold lid. And in this gold lid, there are also cast as one with it two cherubim. I don't know what they looked like. Nobody does. They'll tell you that they do. They don't. We know a couple of things. They had wings. And they looked. They had faces that looked toward the middle. And I think they looked toward the middle and downward to the top of that box. Because that's where the blood was sprinkled on the day of atonement. Seven times. And they looked toward that atonement. Angels wonder after that because there's no atonement for them. Those fallen angels are reserved in chains of darkness forever there is no forgiveness for them that God would forgive sinners is very interesting to the angels so what is it called it's called the kaporet that comes from the Hebrew word kafar which simply means to cover and this word kafar um, it, it works for you know the lid of a box it covers something right Noah was told to take kafar and kafar the inside and the outside of the ark. He was to cover, to pitch it within and pitch it without is how we read it, right? Whether that's a tar or a sap or some other kind of product that rendered the ark uh, waterproof. What did it do? It kept the judgment out. What does the kaporet do? It keeps the judgment out. It keeps that witness of the law below, in the box where it belongs. And the blood is sprinkled on the caporet and the shekinah of God appears between the cherubim. And there, God says, I will dwell with thee, where you, by that blood of the covenant, are shielded from the testimony of my law. What a great gospel picture we have, even in the Ark of the Covenant. And so it is God communing with his people through the shedding of blood and, and the caporet covering over their violation of the testimony that rests below it, dark in the box. Now we come to the next piece of furniture. And that's the table. And although we don't know it quite yet, we will hear it in the next Chapter. That the table is not in the same division of the tent as the Ark of the Covenant. It's outside that division. It's in the holy place, not in the holy of holies. Remember that the tent was two chambers. And the first chamber was twice as big as the second chamber. In the second chamber was only the Ark of the Covenant. And only once in the year the high priest went in. But the priests went in every day into the first chamber and especially every Sabbath day to do one very important thing, to take 12 loaves of bread that had been put there the prior Sabbath and to give them to the Levites to eat and to replace those with hot bread that they had just baked every Sabbath day. This is the bread of the face, literally, the bread of God's presence. And there were Twelve loaves. I don't need to tell you Bible scholars then what this is about. This is about God feeding all of his people with the bread of life. And this is the table of the showbread. And it too has rings. It's meant to move. It is made of gold. It is in the presence of God. And this bread sits there for a week. Then it is consumed by the people of God. And then, then Sabbath by Sabbath it is indeed uh, replaced, And so the people of God come, can I put it this way? To be fed by the Lord, Sabbath by Sabbath by Sabbath. Now we move on to the next piece of furniture. And it is the menorah, as it's called. It's the lampstand or the candlestick. But it's not just a candlestick. And what do we learn from the candlestick here? Well, number one, we... we we learned that it is the only light in the room it 's the only light in the room. every morning, it was dressed by the priest to and and there are seven uh, places of 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 lamp there right flame there are seven different places so that you could go through one by one by one and refill and light and refill and light without the light ever going out right i mean what You know, if you came in in the morning and everything was off, all the flames had subsided, how could you relight one? You wouldn't be able to see. You know, you couldn't pull out your iPhone and turn on flashlight function. There'd be no other way to see. And so that light was perpetually burning. Just like when we get to the altar outside, the flame in that altar was perpetually burning. They packed it up and carried it with them. They rolled it up. In a smoldering mass. So here we have this light. And this is God giving his people light. As they commune with him. But notice also. That there is another scripture metaphor. That is advanced here. Right? First of all we will come to Zechariah chapter 4. But this will come to it's full fruition. In the book of Revelation. In chapters 2 and 3. There are. Seven. Candlesticks. So what does the menorah represent? It represents the light that God brings to the world through his church. And what does the Lord threaten those several of those churches with if they should turn away from his word? Take away his candlestick. That they should no longer be his light bearers to the world. Jesus will make this very clear when he says, let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your Father, which is in heaven, seeing your good works. So, beloved, these things are full of gospel presentation. And the faithful Jew was was able, by the work of God's Spirit, to see Christ in these things. Well, we're out of time, and certainly we've left a lot on the table here. But you see how that passage will preach, don't you? All the wonderful gospel and, and uh, good divine truth that is there that we might make use of. We are supposed to be the light of the world then to the people of God as the Lord feeds us. So he shines upon us that we might be light to others. And all because of that sacrifice of Christ. Those things which angels desire to look into. Where we are spared that constant testimony of accusation from the Ten Commandments through the shedding of blood above which the Lord dwells with his people between the cherubim. Wow. Let's stand.